Our next episode is for you entrepreneurs who are frustrated with being tied to their business and stuck in the day-to-day running the business and looking for a way out. Army veteran Robert Poole is here to show you how to make the transition from operator, who's involved in the day-to-day of running the business, to owner, who only focuses on strategic things and has the freedom to take time away from the business and still have the business flourish. Total Business Results is up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Service isn't just what Navy Federal Credit Union does, it's who they are. That's why Navy Federal created tools to help you earn and save more. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash join. All right, today we're talking with Army veteran Robert Poole from Total Business Results. Robert got some great things to talk about, uh, teaching entrepreneurs to get out of running that day-to-day in their business and be able to break free and think more strategically before we get to doing all that. Take us back. Tell us what you did in the Army. Yeah, well, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on the show, uh, Joe. Appreciate it very much. Um, yeah, I uh, went to West Point um, and uh, got out and went to OBC in Virginia. Um, and uh, I think I was there for about six months. And then I was uh, stationed at uh, Fort Polk. I was a, uh, in the quartermaster branch. That was my specialty. Um, I didn't, uh, that wasn't my first choice at West Point, but that's what happens when uh, you get in trouble and you're near the bottom of the class. It wasn't one of the smartest guys there, but uh, I made it through. So um, I, my first uh, choice was actually uh, ADA, but uh, that was taken. So, uh, so, but it actually was a great experience. Uh, so I uh, was with the 46 uh, engineer uh, battalion um, uh, combat heavy and uh, which for guys who don't know, that's basically uh, the heavy construction stuff that engineers do not the um you know, uh, planting explosives and that sort of thing. So it's more of uh, building roads and building biz- uh, buildings, that sort of thing. So uh, heavy construction stuff. So I got to learn a lot about um, that sort of construction industry and how things are built because I had no background in that. Uh, my degree was in uh, um, uh, uh, economics, so it was far from engineering, but uh, you learn a lot on the job. Um, and uh, I was there for a couple of years. Um, I was the S4, um, assistant S4 for a while, then the S4 for the battalion. Um, and then uh, we did a, uh, a um, deployment to Haiti. Um, I was actually in the, the left behind crew. Um, and uh, so, but I managed the whole uh, unit movement thing, which is, a, again, a, a fantastic experience for me. You know, you get kind of thrown into that stuff as a, you know, a young officer and uh, you kind of have to learn as you go. But uh, it was uh, handling that kind of responsibility and coordinating all that stuff was a great experience, which later helped me in business, I think, quite a bit. Um, and then um, I got out. I was only um, in for two years because um, the uh, this was uh, right around I got around 96. I got out and um, it was because I, I looked at, um, you know, the military life and everything. I thought, you know, I'm not sure uh, if I want to have, you know, a family and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, in the military, because it's very hard on families, as everybody knows. And um, but also at that time. You know, we had just gone through Desert Storm One. You know, Soviet Union and collapse. Because I, I originally as a kid, you know, I was always getting into uh, the army because I wanted to fight the big bad Soviets. And then suddenly the 
the uh, the enemy went away, and you know, so in the '90s, I think the army and, and armed forces in general were kind of struggling with their place. Um, you know, um, we had peacekeeping missions and things, which I wasn't a real fan of. So, um, but bottom line is, they had sort of a, a riff with officers um, right after um, you know the first Gulf War. Uh, President Clinton made a big uh, thing about cutting down the military, so. Um, they asked for you know officers to volunteer to get out early because uh, typically you have a five or six year commitment uh, from going to one of the academies and um, and so I uh, I raised my hand and said that's me and uh, got out and started uh, getting into business and and all that so it was, that was that's kind of my my transition or at least my military story if you will yeah so your transition probably came a lot sooner and quicker than you were expecting so you may may or may not have been really prepared for it you're you're mentally ready to get out, but what, what sort of things did you get into when you first got out of the army? Yeah, you know, that, that's right. And, uh, it, you know, transition is, you know, it's difficult with, uh, civilian life. Um, I, I, I heard on a podcast and, and I, I can't remember if it was yours, Joe, but, um, you know, gentlemen talking about the, uh, kind of strange reception you get when you make that, uh, transition, because, you know, the military, we're our own world and, and, you know, when you come into the civilian world, people don't necessarily understand that. So, you know, you show them your resume of all the things you've done, you know, um, you know, that all the coordination I did in that unit movement, uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars of equipment and responsibility and blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't translate necessarily real well to the civilian workforce. And so uh, when I got out, I uh, knew that I wanted to be in business, and I figured one of the best ways to do it was to get into sales. So uh, I did sales in commercial real estate. I did a short stint doing um, residential real estate. I did uh, corporate recruiting. Uh, I did uh, for a couple of years uh, financial investments like Merrill Lynch, like a stockbroker. So I kind of bounced around uh, to answer your question, and I think it was because I. I had a difficult time trying to figure out how to how to explain the skill set and make that transfer skill set, even though I think, you know, in retrospect, all the lessons that I learned uh, in the Army and at West Point, you know, are just invaluable in business. So it's really about kind of making it through that initial kind of um, difficulty in, in trying to translate those that skill set. But um, deep down, that, that skill set really does transfer. It's just hard to explain that uh, to the, you know, civilian uh, employers and, you know, and things like that. So, uh, so that's kind of what my transition was like. Yeah. You see that, we see that a lot. I think oftentimes it's the civilian employer that, that you could, most people could, most military folks could say, Oh, I went to West Point. I was, um, uh, I was in uh, quartermaster Corps, did the Haiti thing, blah, blah, blah. And they get a real quick assessment of, probably what you've done, what you're capable of. But in the civilian world, they don't really understand what all that means. And when you civilianize your resume, I think a lot of it gets lost in the translation. Unfortunately, I always, you know, try to get you to civilianize your resume, but I think a lot of the impact gets lost. And really it's, if you're trying to go to work for some company that doesn't really understand anything about the military, it might not be the right company to be going to work for. It's, uh, you know, if they don't really understand the true value that you bring to the table. So, um, Ultimately, um, you started getting into many other things down the road, um, entrepreneurial wise. Where did the where did the entrepreneurial bug come from? I um, I think uh, I've I've always been um, a fairly independent person, uh, you know, and uh, it's I think most of us get into entrepreneurship because of one reason. We think uh, 
well, you know, basically it's the classic, uh, you know, I want to be my own boss. And, uh, you know, the reality is uh, news to anybody who are just getting into entrepreneurship uh, that, that usually doesn't happen the first few years that you end up buying yourself a job where instead of uh, working 40 hours or somebody else, you're working 60 and, uh, you know, the, the stress and, and all that comes with it. You get tied to your business, uh, which is something that I, you know, talk about frequently yeah. and we can talk about later. But um, so uh, it's a it's a different experience. Um, and, uh, so I, but when, how I got into it, I was actually working in, uh, financial services at the time. This was, um, I think 98, uh, 99, somewhere in there. And, um, I, uh, or I, actually it was around 2000, I think when I, when I started making this transition, but I, I had a friend of mine who's, who owned a construction company and, um, he said, geez, I really need a website. And this is back when websites were new, you know, um, and all that. And no, a lot of companies didn't even have them. And uh, I said, well, you know, that I've always been interested in tech stuff. So I bought a book. I said, let me build your website for you. So I, I learned how to build a website. And um, and then another friend of his said in construction said, hey, can you do that for me? And so uh, I started doing this this work and realized, wow, there's a lot of companies that don't have websites. And so my partner or my friend that owned the construction company said, hey, we should start a company doing website design, which seemed like a good idea. So. Um, I, this was, of course, uh, literally, I think, July of 2001 when we started, uh, which was not the best time to start a business uh, two months later with 9-11 when the economy shut down, you know, yeah. so um, so it was uh, baptism by fire in business. But uh, we started doing that for about a year. And uh, at the time, uh, of course, I didn't have any money. My business partner wasn't really financial set. We we had very little money to start, so it was bootstrapping. But uh, so we hired. Um, uh, we didn't have money for advertising, so we basically started doing cold calling, which I was very familiar with. It I did it in all my sales jobs before then. I was pretty good at it, but I got to the point where I couldn't do it. I couldn't do enough cold calling and show up to the meetings and and do the sales and all that. So we hired some some callers that here locally that worked from home that did that started doing the cold calls for me. And um, eventually we had a client of ours say, wow, this is that we built a website for say, wow, your, your gal that contacted me was great. You know, I could really use, you know, uh, some cold callers for me. And um, I, we said, Oh, okay, well, I guess you can, you know, we'll kind of contract out our person. She's got some extra time. And, uh, and then we had another client say the same thing. And, uh, we realized that there was more demand for our cold callers than it was for our website business. And so we <laughs> we literally kind of folded that company and started a new company based upon that. And, uh, you know, 20 something years later, um, you know, we've uh, are a multi-million dollar company that has been built primarily on cold calling and, and business to business, you know. Um, and, uh, so that's a, that's a long story, but that's, it's something that, um, you kind of fall into. So I didn't, you know, a lot of people get out, you know, and, and they go, okay, well, I'm really interested in this industry. So I'm going to go do this. And it's very intentional for me. I kind of stumbled into it. Uh, it was after doing enough other things, uh, you know, in sales jobs, like I mentioned, that I kind of stumbled into this and, uh, it turned out I was really good at it. And, uh, we've been through all the struggles that business owners go through. Um, uh, but it's been a, it's been a great ride and, you know, it's uh, really worked out well for me, but, uh, it was, uh, not something that I expected to do and didn't intentionally uh, get into uh, if that answers your question. Oh yeah. As a member owned not-for-profit Navy federal puts members at the heart of every single thing that they do. Low fees and great rates, 
resources to help you crush your financial goals, 24-7 access to stateside member service representatives with award-winning customer service. Members can enjoy earnings and savings of $473 per year by banking with us, an average credit card APR that's 6% lower than the industry average, a market-leading regular savings rate nearly two times the industry average. Learn more at NavyFederal.org slash offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Navy Federal reserves the right to change or discontinue promotions and rates at any time without notice. Dollar value represents the results of the 2022 Navy Federal member giveback study. Credit card value claim based on 2022 internal average APR assigned to members compared to advertised industry APR average published on creditcards.com. Value based on 2022 internal regular savings rate average compared to the 2022 industry regular savings rate average published on the FDIC.gov. All right, back to with Army veteran Robert Poole from Total Business Results. So, Robert, um, I really like the idea, like when you first got going in business, you know, I think the first example was you used was uh, my, a buddy of mine, wanted, a construction company, wanted a website. A buddy of mine, I'm like, I just figured out how to make a website. And once I did that, I got another one. And next thing you know, I'm making websites for everybody. Like you, um, and it, it sounds so simple and like you fell into it, but you found a demand and then you filled the demand. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of us that do it the wrong way, the opposite way, where we think we've got a great business idea, but we haven't even tested if there's any demand or use for that idea. Fall in love with our plan, fall in love with the idea. And then we try to sell it to people instead of, oh, there's demand for this. I just make myself feel the demand. And so then you got going on with the, the, a lot of the cold calling and marketing. Um, and then you start doing it for everybody else. And so things are going really well. You got a great marketing company going. What happened next? Well, uh, yeah, as you said, uh, and I'll reiterate what you said that, uh, I think we, we tend to do business backwards, so to speak, that, uh, like you said, we have a great idea and we think, Oh, everybody's going to want to buy it. Right. Uh, instead of, uh, we fall in love with our product or service instead of falling in love with our clients. And cause it's about what they want, not about what we want. But, right. um, you know, to answer your question, you know, we, we were going along, we built the company into a multi-million dollar company. Um, you know, we were doing great. And then uh, I, uh, I came to work one day and my business partner didn't. And, uh, it, turns out that he had a, a heart issue the night before and passed away. And so suddenly I was uh, in charge of this solely in charge of this multi-million dollar company. And uh, I realized, you know, very quickly that I couldn't do it all. I couldn't do everything I was doing because I was very involved in the day to day. And, you know, I ran the operations, the, you know, human resources, part of it, you know, the finances, the technical, all that stuff. Um, I, you know, I was a big part of it and he did sales and client service, et cetera. Uh, so I couldn't do it all. And I realized, wow, I've got to do something different here. And so uh, it, it took uh, a, a couple of years, but I started basically trying to figure out how do I get my freedom back uh, in my business? Uh, I just, I've got myself a job. Uh, you know, I no longer, you know, in the past I had a crutch, you know, if uh, I could say, okay, I'm going to be off next week and he would be able to cover for me temporarily and vice versa. But all of a sudden it's like, I couldn't take a day off. I was working seven days a week. I was, you know, waking up at 3.30 in the morning, going to the office at four, because I'm like, I got so much to do. Uh, and I was just suddenly, I was a slave to my business. And this thing that I, I loved doing and, you know, was very successful, you know, financially and everything. Suddenly I was like, I, you know, I can't do this. And so I spent a couple of years trying to figure out how do I get myself out of this? How do I make this transition uh, to an owner where the business isn't relying on me because right now if I walk away, I'm, you know, the business is going to fall apart. So how do I 
do that? How do I make that transition? So it t- took me a couple of years to figure that out. Um, and it, it really uh, comes down to, you know, some pretty simplistic, but pretty, you know, important things that how you do it properly um, and was able to figure that out. And I, I, the last few years, I've been taking that experience and helping other clients of ours uh, do the same thing in their business. Because I think, you know, as I mentioned in the beginning, a lot of us get into business thinking, you know, hey, you know, I'm no boss and, you know, I, I get my freedom. But it rarely turns out that way, as I found, you know. Um, and so uh, that's that's kind of what I'm doing now is trying to help others get through the same you know process and make that transition from uh, from operator to owner. Yeah, I think the one of those entrepreneurial traps we think, especially when you're a solo, like a small company, you might be a solopreneur, only a few of you working there. You all have to do everything because you can't really afford to be hiring other people and that kind of thing. And um, you never approach the business with the mindset that someday I want to turn this over to somebody else or someday I want to be able to step away from it and have it keep running without me. But, you know, we lose that in, in the military you know, as a leader. One of the, one of the basic elements of leadership in, in the military is, you know, if you take a round in the grape and your organization falls apart because you're not there, then you haven't done your job as a leader. You know, as a leader, you, your organization should be running smoothly without you. That's ultimately how you've done your job as a leader. And when we get into business, sometimes we, that concept is lost because we think we're the ones that have to figure everything out. We're the ones that have to do everything. And we're afraid to turn things over to other people because they might not do it exactly like we want or as good as we can do it. When oftentimes you find people that actually do it better than you. Yeah. So on this podcast, I see it all the time. And I I see a lot of people that have come to that realization and and gotten past that. But I know a lot of business owners, um, even people that, that where I'm the customer, you know, they're they're so involved and in love with the business that they're running it themselves all the time. And invariably, almost always what ends up happening, they're standing in the way of their business growing. They're they're the they're the plug they're the the choke point because <laughs> everything has to go through them. And so yeah, absolutely. so in your marketing company, you started identifying you notice business owners having these problems and you ultimately created even another pivot where you started helping business owners learn how to become not such an operator, but more of an owner. Yeah, we, um, uh, you know, and, you know, sometimes in life, the the tragedies that we see, and you know, um, actually there's not only a silver lining, but, um, you know, good things come out of them, just like anything, uh, just like, you know, the COVID thing, you know, there were so many bad things, obviously, but there was a lot of good that came out of it too. Uh, and it's the same thing. So, when my business partner passed away, I had to sort of reevaluate our company. And I decided, you know, there's this hole that, like you said, we started the the calling side of it, you know, um, as a, oh, okay, let's do this, you know. Um, but it, it wasn't intentional. And we realized that um, we weren't focused on our customer. We weren't focused on our clients and what they needed. So we started looking at what do they need. And we found they need help. They need advice because, you know, it's hard to read our own labels. You know, we're stuck in the business and we don't see it from the outside, you know, stuff that is so obvious, but to somebody else, but to us, we're involved in the day to day and we don't see it. Uh, so we started doing things like business coaching um, and masterminds, things that that help business owners uh, in growing that business overall and not just in one aspect of it. Um, you know, and then I started getting, um, as I was able to transition our company and get myself out of it. Like you said, 
um, you know, we started teaching that. And that's been a real focus of mine because it's it's so important. We all get into this, you know, this game, so to speak, um, you know, to get our freedom and to, you know, do well financially and all that. Uh, but we just like you mentioned, we totally kind of forget what we learned in the military, <laughs> you know, leadership. You know, that's the whole idea. You know, when we're in combat, you know, if the, you know, um, you know, an army sense of the platoon leader goes down, there's somebody, you know, that's stepping in right away into that leadership role. And that's how it works. Um, and we kind of forget about that in business. And so we we forget that when we're even when we're very small, even if we don't have any employees, we're just starting out ourselves. Uh, I'm a big proponent of looking at your business in the sense that not where it is today, but where you want it to be and where it's going to be eventually. And you've got to do every, every decision you make has to be made um, with the intent that how is this going to look, you know, when I have 10 employees, when I have 100, um, you know, so in terms of scale and in terms of how do I make sure that I'm not relying on the business so that, um, you know, if I wanted to, I could sell this business because it becomes an asset, not just a job. And so uh, if we take that attitude, like you said, our companies only grow to the extent we do. Uh, and so I had to make a lot of changes personally. I had to change myself, my skill sets, um, you know, and how I viewed things. Um, and so you, to make that transition, I think that's the the most important thing that we have to take those lessons that we learned in the military um, and uh, not forget what we're actually doing and apply those to business because they're as I mentioned early on, those are, are some of the most critical lessons that I've, I've learned at business came from the military. We just forget about it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. This a podcast I listened to a long time ago. I'm not even sure if they're still around anymore. I can't remember the name of it, but one of their short intros before they started the podcast was like when you first hit play, it said, if it's making you money, you shouldn't be doing it. Coming up next on blah, blah, blah. You know? And I'm like, what? But you know, it got me. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I got to hear this. Yeah. Well, what they're saying is if you've developed a lot, a stream of income to the point where you're making money at it consistently by doing the same thing over and over and over and over, you need to give up those repetitive tasks that for that stream of income and move on to something else, put somebody in place to run that and then move on to the next thing. Cause all you're doing is the hamster on the wheel. If you're just continuing to process that same line of that same stream of income and of like, it seems so simple, but I really think there's a lot of business owners that they don't see that. They, they never identify. And a lot of business owners don't want to automate. They're running their business becomes their identity. Like I, I want the business to rely on me because it makes me feel important. And it becomes their identity that the business relies on them. And probably, uh, like you said, a lot of them that the only time they start thinking about how can I get out from underneath this is when they realize they can't ever do anything. They can't ever go on vacation. They have no free time. How am I ever going to get out from underneath this? Well, that's when they start thinking about it. They don't think about it from an aspect of well, how can I sell my business someday? Um, and oftentimes that comes up, you know, 40 years later, after, you know, the plumbing company, electrical company, whatever you go to sell your business, you realize, Oh, the business totally relies on me. <laughs> And yeah. somebody looking to buy your business will figure that out really quick. And they're like, well, I'm not buying your business because when you leave, the thing falls apart. Yeah. And uh, let me uh, just make one point there, if you don't mind, Joe. Um, in that process of, of losing my business partner, of course, there are legal consequences, tax consequences and everything. Um, but what I found is, you know, we had uh, three formal business valuations done of our company because from estate purposes and everything, you know, you've got to figure that out. 
what is what was his share worth, so to speak, and what you're talking about um, when somebody's reliant uh, or the company's reliant on you now. Prior to to the business, prior to my partner's death, the company was worth X amount of of dollars or whatever. And the valuation experts came in and said, well, that's great. But now that it's just you and it's totally relying on you, that cuts the value by about two thirds. Uh, So, you know, not that, you know, even if you're not planning on selling, that shows what your company is actually worth to anybody outside of of your company uh, gets drastically reduced when it's relying on you. So, um, so I, just a follow up on a great point, I think. Yeah. So let's talk about some specifics with total business results. How do you specifically and initially start working with business owners? Yeah, well, it's, um, uh, you know, people always ask me, one of the things, you know, how do you make that transition and how long does it take? And, you know, like any good lawyer, you know, I'll say uh, it depends. Uh, and it, it largely depends on on you as the business owner, uh, because, as you said, we we tend to fight change. We tend to, you know, it's our baby, we our identity from it. And so changing our mentality, um, changing the way we think and the way we view our role in the company is really the first step. And so, uh, believe it or not, that's that's the most difficult step in making that transition. Uh, so we work with with business owners to help them change their perception and the way they view their company, um, you know, and evaluate where they really are in that spectrum. Because, you know, you've got the the spectrum where you're basically an employee who happens to own you know 100% of the stock in the company. Um, and then there's the I'm completely out of the business and I just check in for, you know, reports or to see how it's going, you know, type of thing. And so, so it's a it's a transition and and moving across that spectrum, uh, but it starts with the business owner, um, you know. And then you know the there's other things. Uh, there's really four things that I teach. Uh, one of what of course is the entrepreneur themselves, the business owner, um, you know, making that change. Uh, two, uh, it comes down to building a team around you, just like you know in the military. Again, you take that platoon example. Uh, if you've got uh, fantastic squad leaders, you know that. that um, you can, you know, um, bet your life on, uh, and they, are, you know, are training their people, and everybody is, knows what they're doing and can function and think by themselves. Um, it works, but if not, it it falls apart. So building that team again, even if you're starting out, you may not have the money to hire an employee right now, but you can hire contractors to do pieces of things. And just because they're a contractor doesn't mean the that they're not part of your team. And so you're building this team and, you know, so we work a lot with people. This is probably the biggest thing that business owners are struggling with right now, particularly with this economy is hiring, finding that, that right group of people and finding the right team. And early on in my career, I really underestimated the power of that. Um, but I personally believe that that's the, the single most important asset you have as a company is the team that you build around you. Uh, so we help business owners uh, build that team, whether it's contractors initially or they have employees and we're expanding that uh, to get the business owner out of that, you know, and it's a it's a phased type of thing. Um, but and there's a lot to learn about hiring the right people, because we've all uh, those of us who have employees, we've all hired the wrong people. And boy, is it expensive and annoying. Um, and uh, it is a very painful process, not only the hiring, uh, but dealing with the person and then getting rid of them that whole process. So um, we've discovered a lot of ways. I have did a lot of work on that and 
we've been able to be able to change things in our company. So the average tenure of employees at our company is five years. Uh, and it's because we've been able to finally figure out how to hire the right people, how to keep the right people, how to build that team. Uh, so I would say, you know, that's number two. And, you know, number three is building a, um, a sort of a, a sales uh, mentality throughout the company. You know, we, I found, you know, while I was making that transition that you would, uh, I started listening to phone calls, for instance, recording calls internally. And, um, you know, the, the receptionist had a different way of speaking to our clients. She didn't understand anything about marketing or sales. Uh, and so she's answering questions, but doesn't know what she's talking about. You know, the, some of the salespeople are giving a different message than what, you know, I would give. And so, we started uh, basically educating the entire company on things like marketing and sales, people skills, how to deal with people, how to, um, you know, uh, if you're in a position of management, you know, how to, you know, find the right people and that sort of thing. So, um, so we started making it the company as a whole in that culture, um, which is created, which is critical, but um, that's sort of the, uh, in ongoing phase, but while you're doing the hiring and expanding in that, you've got to build that culture. Um, and then uh, the last thing is is the systems optimization, like you said. You know, a lot of people, when they think optimization, they think automation. Uh, automation is really only a tool. Uh, it's um, we have to come up with systems in the in the army. We would call them SOPs, you know, um, and uh, you've got to do that. You've got to come up with systems uh, that are backed up and automation just allows you to implement those systems. But uh, coming up with those processes, those systems. Uh, so again, it's not reliant, not only on you, but it's not reliant on any one employee. You know, for instance, uh, we had a situation where we had an employee who had, you know, a very good technical knowledge about one area, but she was the only one that had that knowledge. And she left for medical reasons and it it almost put us out of business uh, because again, we let, we built the company and let that one person, um, you know, the company rely on that person. So yeah. it's really, it's those four things that we work with, um, you know, business owners on and depends of course where they're starting, you know, and their commitment to it, uh, you know, and how fast they want to, uh, you know, accomplish that, that transition. Uh, so that's, that's a long answer, but that's, uh, that's yeah. how we make that transition. Awesome. Well, uh, I do want to give you a chance to uh, um, promote your promote it a little bit. So, if somebody's interested in uh, total business results, how do we find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, um, what I decided to do. Uh, you know, I don't have a ton of time uh, for one on one coaching and, and consultations, but uh, uh, for your audience, I figured I would um, give the, the first three people that that contact us. Um, you know, a 30 minute consult to kind of give them a roadmap of, Great. you know, Hey, this is where you are right now. Um, let's figure out a couple things, a couple things you can do right now in these four areas uh, to start making that change. So, um, I, you know, a, a 30 minute consultation um, that I'll, I'll give you some of that, that plan. Um, uh, you know, it's not a sales pitch or anything, um, but you can just email me at, at coaching at total com. So that's coaching at total com. Uh, and we can set up a time uh, over Zoom where we can chat and uh, kind of go from there. All right. Well, if you're hearing that, make sure you get that email out right away. First three, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Appreciate that. Appreciate you doing that. Um, also, so we're, we're we're about out of time, Robert. I do want to give you the uh, the last word. And uh, usually I like to ask if you're talking to somebody that's in the military on their way out, going through transition, looking to get into entrepreneurship. 
what kind of recommendations you have for them? You know, um, I'll, I'll answer it this way. I, I think that uh, sometimes in our society, you know, um, we use the word heroes, uh, you know, of course, in the military, um, we, we celebrate, you know, uh, people in the military, we celebrate people, particularly in the last few years in healthcare, you know, they're a hero for, you know, showing up. And I don't think small business owners get that same kind of credit, unfortunately. But as a small business owner, you really are a hero because you're, you're part of building something with society, the what you add to society um, is really amazing. I mean, we could not function without all the, the services that small business owners provide. And yet, what is a hero? It's somebody who uh, knows what to do. They see a need uh, and they might be scared to do it. You know, it's, you know, owning a business can be scary at first. You know, how do you pay your people? How do you, you know, get sales? Your, your totally, income's totally dependent on you. And, but you do it anyway. And we figure it out just like in the army, you know, hey, you know, you're you're scared, you know, let's let's be real here. You know, there are times when you're like, I don't want to do this or I don't know how to do this, but you figure it out. And so I would say to anybody who's making that transition, just remember you're making as much of an impact as you are, you know, in the military uh, to the good of uh, your country and your society. And so regardless of what you do, don't give up. It's about um, making that difference and you really are a hero. So use that same courage that you learned in the military and you're going to succeed no matter what you do. Awesome. Wow. Motivating. That was a great, great way to end it, Robert. All right. Well, thanks for sharing your uh, veteran entrepreneurial story and uh, we look forward to seeing your future success. Yes. Thank you for having me on. All right. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, Leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.